Kids in the room, we're so glad to have you here. Kids, can I see a hand in the air if you are excited for Christmas? Yeah, I think I see every kid hand raised. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for Christmas. I always get excited. So kids, on the stage here, I've got this little like pre-Christmas goodie bag for you. And I, I know there's different colors of bags, but I promise you, they're all the same inside. So I want every kid, if you uh, could come up and grab one of these, um, and it will connect to, uh, to the story. So come on up. Don't be bashful. Come up, find a bag, and I, they're all the same. Um, and then you can head back to your seat, and I'll, I'll kind of walk you through, as we talk about Christmas, uh, what's in the bag. So this, this question's for everyone, not just the kiddos, but who is, uh, who's excited either to open a gift? <laughs> someone raised their hand before I said anything. Open a gift or receive, uh, or, or watch someone open a gift that you, you are giving them. Raise your hand if you're excited for that. Yes. There is nothing wrong with being excited uh, for Christmas gifts, and this is why. If we're paying attention, Christmas gifts remind us, they point us to the gift that God gave the world on Christmas, right? Every gift that we unwrap, it's an opportunity to, uh, to remember that 2,000 years ago, we got the, the greatest gift ever. Now, it's fully possible to miss that, right? There's so much going on at Christmas, and you might get so excited about the gifts that you're opening that you don't think once about Jesus. That is totally possible, but I would encourage you uh, to try and remember what, what the lights are about, what the, the meal is about, what the gifts are about. It's, it's all about Jesus coming, and if you haven't been with us, uh, our Advent theme has been uh, looking at the, this feast, right? This, this feasting on the Messiah. And we have, we have this table up front. It's been on the stage uh, every other week. And, and those uh, who have been with us each week, I don't know if you even noticed this, but each week we've added to this table that represents the feast. The first week, it was actually pretty bare. I think it just had maybe a candle on it. But slowly, it's been added to week after week, right? And, and the picture is that we're getting closer and closer to the feast, which is why afterwards we, we've got food that we're going to eat uh, all together to anyone that, that wants to. We see food uh, really throughout Scripture. In the very first pages of uh, the Bible, we see food, mainly a lot of fruit, or at least that's what I imagine. I realize there's probably vegetables there too, but I, I'm not a big veggie guy, so I didn't think about that until literally the other day. Um, but lots of fruit, lots of vegetables. Um, and then if you skip all the way to the end in Revelation, there, there's this, this imagery of a feast, right? John tells us that there's going to be this feast. It's like a, a wedding feast, right? The, the feast of, of Jesus uh, with all of his people. And that's how John describes it is, is a feast. So kids, there's a notebook in your bag. You can take that out. Um, and then there's a, a pin in there, and it's one of those really cool pins that you can select like the color you want. It's got a ton of, of different colors. You could say it's a feast of colors even, yes. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your notebook, take that pin, use whatever colors you want, and I want you to draw like what you would imagine a feast that God throws, what that would be like. Uh, I guarantee you when God puts on a feast, it, it's going to be excellent. Uh, right? not, not just the main dish is good, not just the appetizers, the sides, but, but everything. And the Bible doesn't tell me this, but I, every, every meal I've had to that I would consider a feast, it had dessert. Right? So I'm looking forward to whatever desserts the Lord will, uh, will whip up for us. Um, so kids, I know you're drawing, but, but if you can for a second, raise your hand if you like food, just so I can tell. Like kids, do you like food? Some older kids like food. Adults probably like food as well. Awesome. Uh, who would want to be invited to the feast that God throws? 
Man, yeah. So our question today is, who is invited to this feast? And we're going we're gonna to look at the Christmas story. Um, and in your bag, like I said, there's different objects that, that I think connect at least to the story of the greatest gift ever given. And, and I'm guessing that every one of us in here uh, knows about Mary and Joseph. If not, let, let me tell you. There, there are these two uh, really young people. Uh, people got married a lot younger back then. Mary and Joseph. She was maybe a middle schooler. Um, Joseph's probably a little bit older, like maybe an older middle schooler, young high schooler, but they were engaged. Uh, they were poor, uh, but getting married young and in love. I'm sure um, once they were engaged, they began to imagine their future together. But before they were married, uh, Mary had an encounter with an angel, and the angel told her that, that she was going to have a baby. And, and this is a different pregnancy, though. Like God, God was the one that, that was putting this baby in her and, and growing this baby in her. And God uh, told her through this angel that this baby would be the savior of the world. Now, she certainly didn't understand all the details. I'm sure that she was in shock even with the details that, that she heard. But ultimately, she, she said, I trust you, Lord. I'm going to follow you in this. Joseph finds out, and he's freaked out, and understandably so. But he also has an encounter with an angel through a dream. And, and God, through that angel, tells him, hey, just trust me here. This is, this is God's doing. So before Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, it's a long story, but they had to head to uh, Bethlehem, where, where Joseph's family was from. And you know the story, right? They, they couldn't find, uh, they couldn't rent a room. Uh, they knocked on door after door, and, and door, uh, door holder after door holder said, no, we have no room. So they end up in a place that was for animals, and this is where Jesus was born. And, and Evie and Finn read from Luke 2, and didn't they do awesome? Yeah, let's clap for them. Yes, they did so, so great. Um, there were these shepherds out in the field, and, and late at night, they're, they're watching their sheep, and actually, kids in your bag, you've got this little sheep in there, so find that you can pull that out. It's like a little rubber plastic sheep in there. Um, the, the sheep you have, it looks pretty cute. Um, uh, real sheep, uh, they can look cute, but they're also dirty and they stink. Um, they're, they're not very smart. Actually, that's, that's a polite way to say it. They're, they're dumb. Um, they're, they're really dumb. So they need shepherds to watch over them, right, to make sure they don't get lost, to make sure they don't see a, a hole and go, oh, what would happen if I just fell in that? Um, they need to make sure that, that they don't get eaten by predators. Uh, so shepherds, they, uh, they were considered to be pretty lowly in society. Um, not just because their job was a dirty one, though. I'm sure that was a part of it. Uh, I'm sure they smelled pretty bad as people that, that kept over sheep all the time. But they didn't go to school, right? So a good chance that, that they couldn't read. Uh, they didn't have a good reputation around town. Some of, them, uh, some of them were thieves, and, and, and I'm sure all of them just kind of got blamed, and, and they weren't trusted. Fair or not, people didn't trust them. So if you were throwing a party, and you had some shepherd friends, you, you, might, not, you might think twice about inviting them, because you want your other friends to come too, and they might not come if they hear the shepherds will be there. But anyway, the shepherds are out there in the field. They're watching over the sheep, right? It's nighttime, and, and the Bible doesn't say this, but I always imagine that they have a fire, and they're telling stories and, and cracking jokes. And then all of a sudden, this angel appears. And it says the, the glory of the Lord was shining around them. And what that was like exactly, we don't know, except I'm confident. It was just this glaring light right in their face. And the shepherds, 
I mean, they had to face all kinds of dangers in protecting sheep, but they're freaking out, right? They'd never had a face-off with an angel before. So verse 10, it says, uh, an angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Right? The angel had to say, don't be afraid, which I'm guessing that helped a little bit, but they're still afraid. And, and let's, let's pause in the story for a moment and just think about fear. Kids, raise your hand if there's anything you're afraid of. And do not be ashamed. Raise your hand if there's anything you're afraid of. So I need some kids to tell me, like, what are, what are you afraid of? Some kid just say it from where you are. Storms. And I think someone said spiders. I heard bugs. Yes? The dark. Yep, there, there are things out there that we are afraid of. If I had the adults, if I said adults, and you don't have to do this adults, but if I said, raise your hands, if you're afraid of something, I'm guessing every adult would put their hand in the air, right? Maybe they're afraid of spiders or bugs, perhaps the dark, or, or maybe weird adult stuff like inflation. Um, <laughs> but we're all afraid. We're all afraid of things. But one thing that we all have in common is there was a time when none of us were afraid, right? When we were really little, probably littler than any kid in the room. We weren't afraid of anything. And it wasn't because scary stuff didn't exist or we didn't know scary stuff existed. I think it had to do with our trust in our parents, right? With, with the people that, that kept us safe. Yeah, there was scary stuff out there. Um, and, and yeah, maybe we weren't aware of it. But, but even if we were, we trusted in our mom and dad. We had this relationship with them. And I, I heard a pastor recently connect that back to what it was like in the first pages of the Bible, in the Garden of Eden. Right? Fear didn't exist until Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Right? When they ate from the only tree that they were told not to eat from. Right? They ditched the feast that God had given them to make a feast of their own. And that's when fear entered the world, but it wasn't because scary things weren't out there, right? There's a, there a snake going around that was talking. Snakes are already scary. A talking snake would be really scary. They knew the concept of death because God warned them with this tree of the knowledge of good and evil that, that they would die. Fearful things existed, but they had a father, right? They had God the Father that they were in a relationship with and that they trusted, even though scary things existed, and every one of us, the Bible tells us, was made to be in that relationship with God. Now, when they ate the fruit, sin entered the world and, and fears flooded our world. So on one level, when the angels said, don't be afraid, it, it makes sense in the context of what was happening with, with, with these shepherds staring at angels. But in another sense, I wonder if it was a call back to the beginning when people didn't have to be afraid because they were in a relationship with God their Father who protected them from everything that was scary. In the New Testament, Jesus says, perfect love drives out fear. Right? That, that's, that's love in relationship with God the Father. The angel also says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So our question of who is invited to the feast, I think that's a hint. Right? Jesus is available to everyone. Anyone who trusts in him, Jesus is for them. Verse 11, he goes on, the angel says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
There's three titles there given to this baby. He's called the Savior, right? This baby was born to save people from sin and brokenness. He's called Christ, or it's another. Christ isn't his last name. I don't know if you know that. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's a title, right? It uh, it can also be Messiah. He's the promised one, the, the anointed one. This is the one that God had promised Israel, his people, to be their rescuer, the rescuer from sin. And lastly, he's called Lord. Lord of what? Well, he's Lord of absolutely everything. His kingdom has no end. He's the creator of all things, which makes it even more shocking to me that the creator of everything, right? The Lord of lords, the king of kings, willingly came as a baby to save everyone who would believe in him and call him Lord of their life. Verse 13, it says, suddenly, right? We start with one angel. Suddenly, with the angel, there's a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, and and they're calling out, they're saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. At some point, the angels go away. The shepherds, I'm guessing, were in shock from what they just saw, what they just heard, and then as they come out of it, they, they basically look at each other and say, what are we waiting for? And they head into town to go find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And they do. They find Mary and Joseph. They find baby Jesus. They tell them what the angels just said to them. I'm sure they just sat there marveling that this baby, that God had given this baby his own son to be the savior of the world. And then at some point, it's time for them to go. And verse 20 says, The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. It is shocking to think that Jesus took on flesh, that he, he added humanity to his deity, that, that he was the God-man, the Savior of the world. It's also crazy that there wasn't an announcement that went out to I don't know, news sources or, or, or the, the leaders of the government or, or even at church, right? We have this announcement to shepherds. And there's another group uh, that Matt mentioned earlier that this was announced to. This is in Matthew chapter 2. I'll start reading verse 1. The wise men. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And these men, and we don't really know how many there were. We think three because there, there are three gifts mentioned. But they're probably priests. Uh, and they came from the last nation that, that conquered Israel and exiled them. Um, so these priests, they saw something in the sky. It says a star. And we don't know what exactly that star was. And there's all kinds of speculation. I, I just heard some speculation that maybe this star was, was, was really a, another word for, for an angel. I don't know. Oh, kids, you have lights in there. Some of you are already playing with them. That's great. If not, get them out now, right? The star, I promise you, did not look like this. But uh, this is what I could get you on Amazon. So, um, so, so there's, there's this star, right, that, that was leading them. And we know that these people had the Hebrew Bible, Okay? When, they, when, they, when they took these, these Israelites and exiled them, the, the Bible was translated into their language. You might remember Daniel from Daniel and Lion's Den, right? He was one of the ones that was there. And, and he was with these people, and, and, and because of him and others like him, Scripture was translated into their language. So we know that they would have had Scripture to know that God, God was sending a, the Christ, 
that, that God was sending his rescuer. Uh, Daniel even referred to angels as stars, so I think that's where, where the theory of maybe the star was an angel gets, gets, uh, gets its, its uh, foundation. I don't know. I don't know if it was an angel or, or just a really incredible star. I have no idea, but somehow God revealed it to them, and they followed this star. They wanted to see this promised king, this baby king, and they wanted it so badly that they traveled a really long ways for it, right? The shepherds just had to go into town. The, these, these wise men, they traveled around 900 miles, right? Probably took them a couple years. Verse 3, it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Which is a total lie. He wanted to destroy this new king. Verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before... Uh, uh, when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. We imagine in our nativity scenes, depict it this way, that, that the wise men showed up like right after Jesus was born when he was still a baby. But that's just not the case. It was actually, it took him a long time to get there, probably a couple of years. So at this point, Jesus is a toddler, right? He's, he's running around. He's, he's putting like two word phrases together. There, there's a way that he was like every other toddler, but he was also so different. And, and we think about these, these priests from another land, they traveled 900 miles or so, and they respond to the, the news of this toddler king. They come in, they fall down on the ground on their faces to worship Jesus. This is an amazing sight. They give him gifts. Oh, kids, in your, in your bag, there's gold coins. Not really gold, but they look like gold. Um, they're chocolate, and you can break those out right now and eat them. And if your mom or dad gives you a stink eye, like say, hey, the pastor told me to. <laughs> But, but they come and they, they worship Jesus, this king, a toddler. They worship him as king, which should make us pause. Back to Luke 2.10, what, what the angel said to the shepherds. He said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So the question of who is invited to the feast, right? Or, or what I mean by that is, is who is invited to a relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus. Well, kids, you've got a, a little mirror in your bag. I want you to pull that out, too. And, and I, want you to, uh, I want you to flip open that mirror, and I want you to look at it. And when I ask you who is invited to the feast, you are. And I want you to, I want you to take your mirror after you've, you've looked at it yourself, and I, I want you to hold it up and to show it to, like, everyone in the room. Because the good news about Jesus coming into the world, it's for everyone to hear, right? Everyone is invited to this feast. 
Uh, That doesn't mean everyone will accept Jesus' invitation, but we're all invited to. And and I love uh, these two stories of announcing Jesus' birth, the king's birth. Right, The shepherds heard the news, and they, they just had to run into town. But the wise men, they had to travel a long, long ways. And for each person, our, our journey to Jesus will look a little bit different. Yeah, maybe there's some that they hear about Jesus, and right away, they, they're, they're with him immediately. They give themselves to him. But for others, it might be more like, more like these wise men that travel a long ways. And maybe on that journey at times, you even wonder, why, why did I start this journey? Why am I doing this? And maybe you're tempted to just, to just stay right where you are. Or, or maybe you're tempted to turn back around and, and go to what you knew before. But, man, I would say don't turn around. Jesus is inviting you to come to him. He's inviting you to join his family made up of every kind of person. The gospel is for everyone. This toddler, about 30 years later, gave up his life. He laid down his life in order to save yours. In order to restore that relationship with your heavenly father so that you too can no longer be afraid. Not because scary things don't exist. There's plenty of things in this world that are scary. But because God the father has you and he'll never let you go when you trust in him. So the the invitation to you is to celebrate with Jesus, the promised savior, the Lord of all. He has come. I love this. Revelation Chapter 3, verse 20, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Right? There's something about eating a meal with others. It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's relational. Right? So it's no surprise that, that our God has put all this, this feasting language in Scripture. It's no surprise that Jesus says, I'll come and, and, and I'll eat with anyone who opens the door to me. Next week on on New Year's Eve, we're going to talk about the future feast, right? The feast that will be enjoyed by all of God's people when he returns again. And he's inviting every one of you, everyone today, he's inviting you to be at that feast, to come to Jesus, to worship him who took on flesh for us, the one who would give up his life on the cross so that your sin, so that your brokenness can be healed. He's invited you. And the question is, will you accept his invitation? So we're, we're going to sing a couple more songs. The band can come up. And then after, after the songs, we're going to have a feast together. Right? A bunch of people brought food. It's kind of a Christmas Eve brunch, as if there's not enough food around this time of year. Um, but this is our humble attempt to foreshadow the feast that we've all been invited to, the one that God will throw for his people. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you that that you did send your son, born of the Virgin Mary, lived the sinless life that we were supposed to live and died the death that we deserved to die so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could know, so that we could be in right relationship with with our Heavenly Father. Lord, as we sing these songs, I I know that, that, that some will be new, some will be very familiar. I pray that these words would remind us of the truth of the gospel, and I pray that we would have hearts that respond to you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Every week uh, throughout this series, we've been inviting you to, to put into practice what, what we've talked about that day in the message. So the practice for this week is to identify what is your next step? Because every one of us has a, a next step towards Jesus or, or with Jesus. 
So for some of you, maybe the next step is for the first time to really trust in him. Maybe you've heard this Christmas story over and over again, and for the first time, you realize, I, I do need Jesus. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's deciding to, to go to a church, right? To next week, go to church, not just every Christmas. Uh, or, or get a Bible. We've got free Bibles out in the lobby. They're blue. They're hardbacks. I'd love to have to buy more, so please take a Bible with you. Or, or maybe you have a Bible. Right? Maybe, maybe it's been this family Bible or someone gave it to you at some point, but it just sits on the shelf. Maybe in 2024, your next step is, is to crack that thing open and, and read it. Uh, th- or maybe it's to get connected some way in our church 